Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and faithful listeners, and welcome once again to another episode of Mafia Wife Life. Apologies up front for the couple of glitches in audio in previous episode. Um, Such things can be tricky. Audio is very important. Um, I learned that, you know, most profoundly um, with with what you call sound checks before performance. There's so many variables that have to be adjusted in order to create um, a clean sound and a balanced sound. And, you know, you, you, it's not something that you can just sort of, you know, plug and play because every environment is different. Uh, there's so many things that can impact sound. So I apologize for the couple of, um, or whatever it sounded like in my previous episode. Um, so I am here today to talk about one of my favorite subjects and that is dreaming. And what I mean by dreaming is that it is something, you know, we all do if we're human and, you know, I think I'm fascinated in general by the mind and, you know, you've got the conscious mind, you've got the unconscious mind and you've got the subconscious mind. It's still the mind. The mind is still active. Um, that space between conscious and unconscious, it's kind of like the space between um, daytime and nighttime. I love those transitions, you know, when it's known as twilight, that that space that happens, the the visual occurrences that you experience when it goes from, you know, dark darkness to dawn. And it's really exquisite how beautiful it is. Same, you know, for sunrise I'm talking about, and the same thing, you know, on the other end of the day, um, at dusk. It is uh, it's all important. So I, because of how my mind works, you know, I really, you know, I, I, I do spend a lot of time in my imagination. Um, and I think that that is why I enjoy meaning, meaning, menial, menial tasks like folding clothes or loading the dishwasher sweeping the floor, things like that are, you know, you're, you're being physically productive or active, but yet your mind is free or when you're cooking and you're sort of stirring. I mean, I love that state of being because I feel like my mind is free. You know, if, if somebody said, okay, well, you have to go and sit at your desk and, you know, imagine for 45 minutes or whatever, it just doesn't work that way for me. Um, but I can say I have had so many dreams in my lifetime that, you know, kind of seem outrageous when they become a part of my consciousness. I'll just have a feeling and it'll be, an awareness and it's very random and you know being with the godfather for as long as i have you know he knows that a lot of my dreams 
do seem random. I want to, you know, make a piece that'll be in a music video. I want to make a piece that'll be in the, uh, you know, rock and roll hall of fame. I want to, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I can't even think of the things that I've actually dreamt, I suppose, that have seemed outrageous, but then I, I did it, you know, and then I go on and I do something else, but it always comes from something. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where I, in terms of design, I'm talking about specifically here, it's gotten to the point that I, I have to imagine you know, really inhabiting a space, walking through a space, waking up in a space, um, moving in a space, cooking in a space. I have to, I, I, I imagine it so intensely, so deeply that when it actually exists, you know, and you could define that as a dream come true, it's not a surprise to me because I've already seen it for so long in my mind. And it's always interesting to me when the Godfather will walk through something that I've been working on and it's as well, he is seeing it for the first time and he's like, wow, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's not a surprise to me because it has existed for so long by then. So, you know, and these, these dreams, these states of awareness, you know, they, they come into me you know, very organically. It's not like I say, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, set my course in motion here of creating such and such. That's not how it works. I know everybody's process is different, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I will say something and I know that it will sound really out there. It'll sound almost outrageous. And the Godfather will say, you're dreaming. And, and I will say exactly that is what I'm doing. I am dreaming, and so I, I talk to him about these ideas or these feelings that come into me, you know, about this next project that we're developing over on Rural Point, and that whole deal was just nuts. You know, the whole th the whole way that that has evolved. Um, why am I talking about dreams? Um, we, we, we received a contract that we accepted. Well, we were, well, we've accepted, a, we've accepted a contract on glory. Our house, beloved house at the beach. And, and that is something that, you know, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. You don't let something go that you love that does not then tug at your at your heartstrings and the funny thing about that whole thing how that all came together is you know i always loved warm water i only knew warm water from the time i was a baby i didn't know that people got into cold water and enjoyed themselves. You know, that was not my experience until I was about six years old and we moved from Florida 
to Cincinnati, the only water that I had experienced up to that point was the warm water of the uh, of the Gulf that existed in the front of my granny's beach house. Um, that's that's the only water I knew, and it was luscious. And so, you know, when I got older and I discovered that, you know, people actually got into cold water, it was something that I was never able to relate to. And at the time that we moved to Cincinnati, um, I guess we were of age where we needed to, quote, learn how to swim. Um, you know, we had this swimming instructor, God knows where she came from, but she had an above ground pool in her backyard. And I shit you not girls and boys, her name was Mrs. Sink. And, um, there are people that are teachers, teachers of young children who should not be teaching young children. Um, but this woman, Mrs. Sink, you know, I, I'm in her pool it's freezing cold. I really can't move because I'm so cold. I'm, I'm locked up. You know, my body is actually sort of locked up. It's not moving easily. And, um, so this is of course perceived as defiance. You know, I wasn't being defiant. I just was like, what am I supposed to do in this freezing cold water? So I think that I had been told to, you know, put my head under the water and blow bubbles. So, you know, this would, teach me how to do these very rudimentary things with regards to uh, learning how to swim in a conventional way. And um, I just wasn't responsive to it. And so this sadist, Mrs. Sink, you know, she grabs me by my hair and she shoves me underwater. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm not really thinking. I'm just sort of shocked. And then she yanks me up and you know, she's like, you ready to listen now? And I'm like, <laughs> sputtering, sputtering. I can't even answer. And so, of course, she sinks me again. And it's just ridiculous. It's stupid. It's sadistic. Had this sort of swimming lesson occurred in warm water, there would have been no issue. Um, but that's, that is my first experience outside of the warm water of what I was used to since I was born. And of course, as my life went on, I knew that certainly cold water did exist. It was not my jam, but you know, that's, you know, that's the life I was living. And then when the Godfather and I, you know, got together and, you know, we had children and we would think about, you know, where we wanted to take them on vacation. And I said, it really doesn't matter to me, but if we're going somewhere where there's water, I want it to be really, really warm water. You know, I'm not into this cold water. And he said, you know, well, that's the Caribbean. I was like, okay. So we always went to the Caribbean and, you know, that was that water. I mean, we would all be out there, all of us, and we'd just walk the length of the beach in the water on our hands, you know, we would just stay in the water for the longest time, all of us, you know, walk, walking on our hands all the way down, all the way back, or we just float, you know, it was, it was the water of 
my imagination, my memory, my dreams, right? So that was where we went on our vacations if we wanted to go somewhere where there was water. Um, at some point, gosh, I don't know how long it's been now since we've had the pool, over 15 years ago. Yeah, about that. Um, we, I don't even remember why we did it, but we put a pool in our backyard. And I, um, I said to my husband, I don't really care, you know, as long as the water's really warm. That's really, you know, and he said, oh, we could put a salt water pool in, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, well, it would be great, you know, if we could make it look like the water that we love, you know, the water that I remember or the water we experienced, you know, as we experienced with the kids when they were growing up. And that's why we put a light bottom, that's why we did a light bottom, you know, and just clear water. And it gave the appearance of that, that blue. So I told him, I said, you know, I've been waiting for this water my entire life, you know, and thank you so much, you know, for bringing it to our backyard. And it was positively magnetizing. And we had so many, ha continue to have so many, many, many family experiences throughout, you know, expanded months of the year um, because of that, you know, and it's been awesome. So I guess a few years after that, some years after that, uh, you know, the Godfather said, my accountant, for some reason we were having, we were laying on a blanket in our front yard. God knows why. And we were, I guess we'd had a picnic out there and, so we were laying on the blanket, you know, our kids were in the yard, a couple of them were out somewhere. And he says, my accountant says, we need to, I, my accountant says we need to buy something. And I was like, what? And he said, you know, he says we need to buy something. And I don't remember if I've said this in a previous podcast, but I know I've said it to other people. And I thought that he was talking about a refrigerator or something like that. So I said, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a big deal. At this time, you know, he had gotten in the habit of taking the staff of one of his companies for a weekend, um, his staff members and their spouses to the Outer Banks for the weekend. And he would rent, you know, a big house in a resort called the Sanderling. And then everybody would rent, you know, separate hotel rooms for everybody within the resort and then have all the activities at the, at the house that he rented. So that was a blast. You know, we'd have a caterer come in for dinners and then we would, you know, we would do sort of different things for breakfast and lunch in the house and, but it was so much fun and everybody had a great time. We had activities, we had games, we had karaoke, we would do stupid pageants and it was so, we'd had a hypnotist one year and everybody completely loved it. So, you know, I knew when he was telling me that, okay, what, it's not a refrigerator, you know, what are you talking about? 
and it became clear to me that it was something, you know, more, you know, more of more value than a refrigerator. And so we're like, what? I don't know what. And so, you know, so, it be, you know, so it became clear that he was talking about a type of property and the, you know, the beach and, and, you know, the only beaches that we had ever enjoyed visiting as a family were beaches in the Caribbean. And I said, well, you know, I don't want to buy something that requires, you know, us and the kids, you know, having to hop on a jumbo jet to come and visit. I'm, I don't want to do that. And so he's like, well, what do you think? You know, and, and I said, I don't know, you know, like everybody seems to really like the Outer Banks. We have a good time when we take your staff down there. It's easy to get to, you know, lots of people like it. Maybe we should think about that. And mind you, we had never vacationed down there. That was never something, we never rented a house in the summer. There was a couple of Thanksgivings where it was kind of a, a potluck type deal. And then one year we did that on our own for Thanksgiving, but it was never a place that we, you know, went to as a family in the summer. So he was going to Scotland um, on a trip that he had qualified for and he was taking, you know, he was taking everybody with him. I was staying home because Claire at the time had an orientation at a school that she thought she was interested in going and I was going to take her to that. And I said, you know, Claire and I will go to the orientation, then we'll go down to the Outer Banks and, you know, we'll, we'll look around. And he, Steve said, this is Godfather said, just go, you know, just go buy something. And I was like, I don't know, we'll see. So he had a friend down there who knew of a real estate agent. And so Claire and I were staying at the Sanderling. And when we drove into the Outer Banks, you know, we saw this property to the right. It was a house on the beach. The thing about the Outer Banks, there's all different parts to it. But, you know, when you talk about the the more residential area, that's referred to as the northern beaches. And you go through these a series of small towns. And you the first town that you go through is a town called Southern Shores, which is basically you know, a road and to your right is the ocean. Okay. House, beach, beach, house. That's how my mind works. And so further down, you get into I, uh, other towns and the town next to Southern Shore is Duck. And for some reason, you know, everybody wants to be in Duck. And I have never understood that because, you know, you can't see the beach when you're in the town of Duck. You actually have to go through neighborhoods to then get to the beach, which makes no sense to me. Then further down, you go to Kerala and then blah, blah, blah. So when we passed this house on the beach, you know, and I said, that's, that's where we're going to buy. And I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And so the next day, you know, the real estate agent comes and picks me and Claire up and she said, I've got all these properties to show you. 
you know, we'll do this, 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 and this, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, that's okay. I said, you know, I've already seen what we're going to get. And, she, and she's like, what? And I said, yeah, it's up in Southern Shores, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, you don't want to be up there. And I said, I'm telling you I do. Um, and she goes, no, you don't. And I said, why would you say that? You know? And she said, nobody wants to be up there. And I said, well, that's them. I said, I don't care what they want to do. I'm telling you, I want to be up there because, you know, I'm here to get a house, you know, on the beach. And I knew that that house that was on that property was not the house that I was going to have to, that I was going to be able to work with. I knew I would have to create a house. That was fine. I said, listen, you know, we'll go and look in the houses that you have scheduled for us because I know that you put a lot of time into that. So we will do that, but I'm telling you what I'm going to buy. So, you know, I dutifully went through those houses and there was nothing that made sense to me, nothing that I wanted to buy, you know, and she would say, well, everybody wants to be here. And I'm like, why? And she was like, cause you're in deck or whatever. But you know, if you are in a neighborhood on the beach and, and your house is in this neighborhood and there's only a handful of houses in the neighborhood that are oceanfront, then what you end up with is massive density on your beach. Right. And, and, uh, that's just the nature of it. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. And I said, you know, I don't want to be in a neighborhood at the beach. I'm in a neighborhood at home. You know, I, I you know, if I'm going to have a house at the beach, I just, that's what, that's what I'm looking for is a house on the beach. So I, I actually had to talk her into it. I'm like, I don't just stop, stop, stop saying this. This is what's happening. And so the next morning we met at what was ultimately then glory. And I called Steve, you know, when he was in uh, Scotland that I said, you know, this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay, what do you think we should offer? And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay. So, you know, we wrapped up that deal. We weren't buying that house. We were buying the land. And I knew because I'm a spatial person that there was more land than what was showing up on the survey. Uh, the survey had been had not changed since 1947, and so they were pricing this property, this oceanfront property, at a at a rate that was incorrect because they were basing it on the amount of land that they believed they had, which was incorrect. So anyway, this property had been on the market for over 1,100 rainy days and rainy nights and, you know, nobody wanted it, which was fine. I don't care what people want or what they don't want, but just stop telling me what you think I want or whatever. Just, I'm telling you. So um, we ended up, you know, we ended up getting the property and we ended up, I could see it right that, that, that day, you know, I, I knew it was going to be glory and I knew the whole vibe of it. My dad, this was May. My dad had died in February. So February, March, four months previous. 
And his obituary said, Jerry has gone to glory. So I knew that I was going to call this house glory because, you know, at the time, you know, I was the same person. I'm still the same person. All I ever wanted, all I ever cared about, nothing was more important to me ever, ever, ever than family. Never. I mean, that was just it. I didn't, you know, it's not to say that I didn't care about other things, but I, I certainly didn't care about anything more than I cared about family. Um, because of so many experiences over the last few years, I've had to, um, I've, I've had to adjust that, you know, that yes, I, I've, I still feel the same way about family. I have never changed how I feel about family, but I, I see it as two families, you know, there's my mother's family and then there's my family. So at the time I was just thinking about, about it as one big family. I hadn't had those experiences yet that were ahead of me. And, um, so the reason I wanted to call it glory was because I wanted, I didn't want to leave Jerry behind. I, I just didn't. And I wanted everybody to have to say, we're going to glory. We are going to glory. I didn't want it to be just Jerry has gone to glory. I wanted it to be so everybody could go to glory. We're going to glory. And I just, that's what I thought. The other thing is, you know, because I grew up in a family an Irish Catholic family with so many children and cousins, you know, my parents, you know, they sort of had this whole Kennedy thing in the background. They liked that he was the first Irish Catholic president. They, you know, liked that there were so many and, you know, I never thought of us that way at all, but, you know, I understood I understood the thinking and I always liked the idea of what they did. Um, in Hyannisport, they built a compound so all of the family could easily get together. So I kind of merged that and that was in that first weekend, you know, um, I like the Kennedy's houses up there were white and I, I, I liked the idea of creating a kind of main street on the beach. And so I, and glory, you know, the double entendre with the flag and it was just, it just all came together just that quickly. And, you know, one of the other dreams that I had was, you know, I would like to live in a house with a red roof. That is a random dream, but that was a long time dream. And so I just knew what it was going to be in the same way that I knew what the Godfather's office was going to be when I ended up having to design that. Um, we found a builder down there who was the perfect builder. He happened to have built the, uh, house that the real estate agent lived in and we clicked right away and you know initially he turned us on to a, a draftsman who 
took my drawings and you know created something entirely different I was like did you did you even look at my drawings he was like oh I think this would work this would work and I'm like "Uh uh-uh no and he goes can I get another chance and I said no you know because I knew that he did not have listening ears and when you're going to collaborate with somebody creatively you, you know that's the most important thing is that they listen and if they don't listen then there's no way that they are going to be able to understand what you're visions slash dreams really are this has nothing to do with ego it has to do with expression and communication and collaboration and if somebody's not listening you cannot get there and that's what happened with the building um, that the godfather um, ended up having to build for his office he out he was growing and he had outgrown where he was and needed more space never thought about building a building um but and he would have bought something but the properties in the area that he wanted to be were either too big like warehousey and he didn't he would have had to have sublet property he didn't want to be a landlord or they were too small so we ended up knowing that we were going to have to build it you know and the reason that the godfather and i work well together on these projects is because our strengths are so different i'm not the bank i'm not good with numbers i don't need to be good with numbers because i have him and he's not good with certain you know tiny little nitty-gritty details on on design because he knows that that is my area so somehow he was working at this time with a brother that he gave an opportunity to and somehow I don't know if this brother you know came into this architect or the godfather did I don't know but I drew what I knew the building should be floor by floor the front the side I had known the godfather for many years at that time I knew the conditions that he was used to working in and I knew I knew that he would always give everyone else you know the offices that had you know the best light or you know that were the most quiet or whatever and I I wanted him to have very good access to the things that he really responds to and one is fresh air certainly natural light and um i i wanted and i and i i know what he likes you know i know that he likes you know um i just know what he likes so i knew i i just knew how to design this project and so the day of the meeting with this architect ed winks Um, the godfather was somewhere else he didn't need to go to this initial meeting and so I went and this brother went and I'm there with my sketches you know and I I put them on the table and he's like the the architect he's like ah nah 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 he goes oh this is gonna be a fun one this is gonna be a fun one he goes I've got a um you know um a UVA architecture student you know doing an internship for me she'll have a lot of fun with this one and I said what I said this is the drawing 
this is what I want. And he starts talking to Neil about some exposed stairway on the side, a glass tower, you know, totally not listening to what I was saying and not even giving the, the sketches a second look. And so I just got up and turned to walk away. And this brother says, where are you going? And I said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I left. And I called the godfather. And I said, he goes, how'd the meeting go? And I said, it was fucked up. I said, the dude doesn't listen. Um, and, you know, he's not even interested in what I put together. And he thinks he's going to pass it over to some, you know, intern or architecture student from UVA and say they're going to have fun with it. No, that's not happening. I said, you can work with this dude if you want to. I said, Neil seems cool with him. If you guys want to work with him, that's fine. I said, but I'm not going to have anything to do with it. So needless to say, because of his experience with me, he, you know, did not go forward with that architect. And we found the right architect who came to our house, sat at the kitchen table. He and I would go back and forth. He would use pencils that he got from his son's elementary school. And, you know, we put it together and that project ended up winning an award that year for from ACORN, the Association for Conservation of the, you know, Restorate, whatever, whatever. It's like some history. It's some organization that is very sensitive to, to you know, preserving, you know, historical integrity in, in areas in the city. So we this design built beat MCV it beat out VCU and it beat out you know like some heavy hitters you know and all I did was build create something that was what I knew was right you know I knew it was right and Steve because he knew me and you know he knew it was right too so um, you know, we put reclaimed lumber in there, exposed brick, exposed ductwork, you know, blah, blah, blah. We learned a lot from that. Um, we put cuts, you know, walls, put stained glass in between the walls to borrow light, you know, walk out decks in, you know, interior fireplaces. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a great building on the main floor. They needed to have cubicles. And I had said, I really think you need to build them like this. And I was sort of borrowing the concept of stalls for horses where they're really just super super simple um you know no fuss you don't need anything more than what you need I had it all drawn out everybody would have their own privacy but still visual access to each other and for some reason you know they thought they needed these cubicles and I insisted that they were not right um but they insisted that that's what we need to do so i always worked at home and i i worked around my children's schedule right but i didn't like to posit my children somewhere 
so I could have this big, you know, creative life that I just, they worked with me, you know, they did what I did. I would work around their naps, whatever, whatever. So, you know, I didn't have the type of situation, you know, with grandparents, let's say, where I could drop my 18 month old child off at, you know, grandma and grandpa's house while I go to a meeting. So I always brought my kids with me. And that was fine. It's what I was used to. And I didn't mind it because I thought it gave them a chance to learn as well. But when I had that meeting, you know, I thought, well, it's a meeting. I should probably, you know, dress up a little bit. So I put a, a black, I remember specifically, and I'm saying this because, you know, it's sort of aligns with everything else that I'm saying. I had a black turtleneck on, a pair of jeans and, you know, some boots and, this brother was there and then Steve came, but before Steve came there, I said, Oh yeah. Hey, you know, I thought I would, you know, dress up a little bit since I was going to a meeting. And of course I have my young daughter on my hip and this brother says, Oh yeah, that's fine. If you're what you going to a meeting with NASCAR. And I thought, what a little bitch, man, you're a little bitch who thinks like that, who says it. The whole meeting, I was like, you guys don't need this. This is stupid. They were like, no, we need it. We need it. We need it. So they got it. And, you know, ultimately they ended up not using it because, and they built what I said that they needed to build. I don't need to be right. I don't need to be right. But I know when I am right. So that's what happened with the architect um that we ended up signing with at the beach you know he had very very good listening ears you know and he was the same type of dude you know worked solo really good dad um really quick thinker family guy and he he you know put my drawings into you know blueprint form which is what the builders build off of, right? Again, we're only doing this because the accountant says my husband needs to buy something. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to make it great. We would have bought something if there was something to buy, didn't find it. Same with the building, had to make it, you know, didn't find something to buy, had to make it. Um, So anyway, that process of building glory, you know, it was, it was was such a challenge, you know, and it taught us so much and, you know, we learned so much from it and we had such a great crew and, um, everybody took a lot of, um, domain, you know, they had dominion over the work that they were doing and, So that project led to another project and now here we are in a third down there. But, but my dream was always family, always, always family. And so when I, you know, when I first built that, you know, Elle and I were able to spend every summer down there together because, you know, she was young, she was in high school and then she was in college. Well, she's a grown up. you know, she's, she's not going to have every single summer like that necessarily. 
and I also did not have five grandchildren. So when I was leaving to go back to the beach and Ella had been traveling and she had been doing a, a summer study. And so I, you know, I was going down there and, you know, my kids would come on the weekend, the godfather would come, but there were weekends where not everybody would come. And so then it was like, I, and, and I realized this is going to continue, you know, as these kids get older, they're going to have sports, they're going to have birthday parties. They're not, the kids are not going to always be able to commit to a full weekend. And, you know, it came, it became very clear that I would rather have five hours with all four of my daughters than an entire weekend with two of my daughters. So I started thinking, what should we do? You know, and I never thought, I never thought the whole time ever that I would ever, I thought it would never occur to me that I would think about selling glory. Um, with regards to the dream, you know, and calling it glory and, and wanting to have everybody say, we're going to glory, then that sort of expanded and, you know, I got it wrapped up into, you know, my granny's beach house and, and I thought, well, we'll have a family house. This will be a big family house. Everybody can come and it'll be like granny's house. So it started feeling like it was sort of a metamorphosis, right? But that too, you know, that, that really was not, that was not specific. That dream was not specific. I mean, you know, the goal of family never changed, ever, ever changed. That never changed for me and Steve. It was the, it was the family that changed, but our feelings about family never changed. And, um, and so, you know, we talked about it, we talked to the kids about it, and that's why we started thinking about a project up here, you know, in Richmond that we could create that would, you know, be, be more space and be, you know, be the best of glory, you know, but without the 150 mile commute each, each way, right? And so we really started thinking about it and... And, uh, you know, we, we happened to come into this property and everybody was on board and excited about it, but, you know, we still were not totally sure about glory, but then we decided, yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead and put it on the market. So we got this contract and, you know, that is record breaking too, in terms of the, um, the dollar amount of the square footage whenever it comes to random dreams you know a few years ago I said to the godfather you know I've been buying properties selling properties renovating properties building properties and I knew it was kind of like you know it, I, it sounds silly to say it was a hobby but it was a hobby is a hobby it's something I'm good at and so you know when I was you know, picking up these breadcrumbs on these closings, I said to Steve, I would, I'm going to, I would like to make a million dollars in real estate profit one day. And at that time that sounded like a lot of money and it sounded 
you know, like it was a little far away, but not out of reach. It was just another one of those dreams. And so over the last few years, I'm like, well, how close am I? You know, if something would sell or whatever, how close am I? And he would say, blah, blah, blah. Um, when I put glory on the market, you know, my goal to the profit, the profit, I said, I want to make 2 million profit. And he said, you're dreaming. And I said, that's right. I am. I'm yeah, but that's what I want to make. And I had in profit and I had said it before when I sold sunshine, I said, I want that number to be blah, blah, blah. And he said the same thing. You're dreaming. And I said, you'll see. And he goes, it's not going to happen. I said, you'll see. And it did happen. So, you know, this contract and he goes, well, Katie, you know, this was your goal. You know, you said on this project, you wanted to make, you know, a $2 million profit. The only reason I'm saying that is because, you know, profit is different than gross. Okay. So, but when it's, you know, so yeah, so now I'm like that million dollars seems like a long time ago. Now it's over 3 million, but that is just from dreaming. I don't care about that amount. I don't even know where the bank is. I don't care about the amount at all. I'm interested in creating and I'm interested in dreaming and I'm interested in, in making things happen that are good. And so now the glory has sold and we sold sunshine next door and we, you know, it looks like we're going to have a contract next month on, um, this third build sugar pops and, and we've, we've sold some other properties down there, but those are land deals. But in the real estate, just in that area, you know, we've got, well, on these two properties, we've gotten two strangers, two strangers to hand us over $9 million on two properties. What I'm saying here is this, I challenge anybody to get a stranger to take a hundred bucks out of their pocket and give it to you for something that you've made. It's not easy. It might look easy. It's not easy. Um, everything that I've ever dreamed about or done, created or made, I have found a way to also get paid for it. And I like that because it's the dog in me. It's the junkyard dog. And it, and it is the art. It's just, it's just another part of it. You know, I've been paid, you know, as a vocalist, I am paid as a vocalist. I've been paid for, you know, baking recipes that I created for restaurants. Um, writing I've been paid for clothing design, you know, leather design. I'm, I mean, there's, I don't know, I'd have to go back and think about it, but I like that part of it. Um, but you know, when it comes to negotiations, I really like that part of it. And you have to find the right person that is, is willing to go into that with you. And you have to not be afraid to walk away. Like I walked out of that meeting with that architect or the other draftsman or you don't, you have to be willing to walk away and 
and you also have to be willing to fail. And, you know, so I have a lot of respect for our broker, a young guy. And, um, you know, and I, I told him, you know, I really appreciate your poise. We've done how many deals with him now down there? Han and Jade bought a property down there. So that's one. We've now sold two. He sold a land. We did a land deal with him. So one, two, three from us and then four, from, you know, so anyway, whatever, we've done a number and I've always appreciated his poise, but he, you know, knows. I said, look, Shane, you know, I, I'm a junkyard dog. That's it. And he said, I know. And, but I said, I'm fair and I don't nickel and dime anybody, but I'm not going to get screwed over and I'm going to stand by what I know is right. And that's just it. Uh, that's just the way it's going to go. And so this guy that bought our house, um, he says, I don't want to be that guy. Shane told me this. I don't want to be that guy that buys the best house in the Northern Beaches. And Shane said, you know, well, this is the house, you know, and what do you want me to tell you? You know, you want this house. Um, it does, it, it is that. So he bought it, but, but he didn't want to be that guy that buys the best because what he wanted to do was buy something that was maybe less than the best and then give himself room to, you know, do whatever and make it better. So he, cause he's looking at return on the back. So I thought that was kind of funny that, that he said that our buyer was we and we knew that going in and we we've known it on our other projects you know we're not we're not buying or building anything to compete with what's around us we're buying and building what we know is right for us to our standard and otherwise we're not doing it so that is another thing that comes in you know with dreaming you can only do what you know is right you know and then then you can feel good about it you don't have to feel bad about it what i don't like you know is two doors down the neighbors because my landscaper down there said that you know those people said oh just make it look like glory that's what we want our yard i'm like bitch why don't you want your yard to look like your yard why do you want your yard to look like my yard? But all of that was design and the landscaper, you know, old dude, you know, went to tech a million years ago in landscape architecture. And, you know, he would come out many, many, many times, you know, I would move the hose around, I would put buckets down, I would, you know, I, I can't tell you how much back and forth, you know, would be going on for me to to be able to express to him what I was looking for, the feel that I was looking for, and it's happened on on all three of the projects now. And but we get there. We get where we're going, but the people that you're working with have to listen. They have to listen. And so I guess there was other things that I well, this is really what I wanted to say. You know, I said to the Godfather you know, do you think that we're letting go of a dream? 
and you know, with glory, are we letting go of a dream? And he said, Katie, this was never our dream. And I said, what do you mean? He said, we never even vacationed down there. He said, you know, we, it was never our dream to even vacation in the Outer Banks. We just, you know, had to buy something. There was nothing to buy. So we built it and we built it the best that we possibly could. And that's what we did. You know, and the dream of family, that never changed. The family changed. And I got caught up in the dream of like, oh, this will be a family house like granny. You know, everybody's going to go to glory. And it became this, you know, this whole momentum. And while we loved it, you know, then as my own children were able to come down less frequently or to, or to not be able to stay as long, then, you know, I started feeling like, well, I, you know, I've always wanted to be where my family is always. I mean, that's no surprise to anyone that knows me and thank God, knock on wood, I got all my girls here and I hope, I mean, I anticipate that staying, you know, that's what I want. That is my dream. And so so I was very happy, you know, that Steve explained that to me. Of course, he's right. And, you know, our dream is family and that has never changed. And it, it but it's the family that, you know, that is the thing that changed. And I said, I don't know. It just, you know, it just feels weird, you know, it, it, and he goes, Katie, none of that was our doing. He goes, we didn't, we never changed. You know, he said other people changed. You know, none of that was our doing. And, you know, I thought, yeah, that's true. That is true. So we are the same people. Very simple. We just work hard. I said, isn't it funny? You know, when you think about it, you know, even in just this small arena, you know, of real estate, think about all the things we are not. We are not, um, you know, people with MBAs. We are not architects. We are not, you know, landscape designers or interior designers or furniture designers or, um, you know, or home stylists or, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the things that we did. You know, lighting designers. I could go on. We're not all of those things. But, you know, still, all we did. You know, all we did, you know, uh, was do what we thought was right. And I think that that's what anybody should do. But it does start with a dream, you know. The Godfather never started out thinking he was going to build companies. He only built them because he could not find a way to provide coverage that he knew that he needed for his commercial clients. So that's why he created those businesses as solutions. That's why I built things because I could not find what I needed or wanted or imagined, you know, that's why I designed the furniture, the be all of it. I, because I, I, I dreamed it and it didn't exist. Let's just say it that way. So, you know, it's very exciting to think about what's next and it's uh it's it's so gratifying to know that our children 
are on board and it'll be so easy for the grandkids, you know, to easily spend time there. And that is really what life is for us and always has been is family. So I encourage, I encourage all of you out there to really try to tap into what makes your heart sing wild thing. And, uh, it really is all love. So peace and G love. And I say to those that seem to have a problem with what we're doing, um, and there's a lot of people that seem to have that problem. I say, just concentrate on what you're doing. Don't worry about what we're doing. Just do what you're doing. We don't spend our time, you know, worrying about what other people are doing because we're too busy, you know, doing the things that we're doing. And, uh, you know, that's really how it should be because that's when you're really living. Okay, until further episodes, TTYL.